do you guys uh do you guys want to get started it's just going to be you know more what we've, what we've been playing honestly um there was really not a lot of news that i saw yeah yeah although i did um at some point for the consideration have a news item okay which is which was simply did you see any of the madness with um peter and mario what i i ignored it um <laughs> i thought it was funny they um they're angry uh because mario in his raccoon form they say is glorifying um the wearing of fur well to be fair so the, you know the, the the new piranha plants they spit red paint on them so <laughs> Welcome to episode number 136 of Stand Under the Don't Tree and Riddle Me This, a podcast about video games. My name is Cole Ross and I am your host and I am joined via Skype today by Dennis Furia. David Mysmith. And we'll be joined a little bit later by Mr. Ben Merkel in a in a in a segment. We're gonna we're gonna see how it works. It's a bit experimental, but uh um we're 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 fairly certain that all of us will survive. Uh so what <laughs> can you expect? We are still in the thick of the uh winter release season and news be damned, this is an action packed hour of what have we been playing. So why don't we just get right to it? Let's do that. Yeah. That thing you said, let's do that, it. That thing. Let's do that. Let's do that thing. Indeed. Hey, hey, hey fellas. I'm all let... about doing that thing. <laughs> I am for this thing. <laughs> so, 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 guys, well, what you been playing? More Uncharted. Oh, yeah. What about you, Money? Well, why don't we lay out the games up front, and then we'll, we'll yeah, kind of get yeah. through. Then we'll, then we'll pick and choose. Um, I've been playing some Battlefield 3 and some... Um, Lots of World of Warcraft. Okay, and I have I have been playing um, more Elder Scrolls V Skyrim and also uh, the new Legend of Zelda. Ooh, yeah, really, yeah. Well, here's how. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the lever on this. Um, we are going to travel back in time to earlier this afternoon when I recorded a segment of the show uh, with with Ben. So um, if you've all seen the movie Wayne's World, we're going to do that until we're back to, you know, where, where, where that is. We're going to hear uh, what he's been playing, and then we're going to get to the Zelda discussion. How about that? Sounds good to me. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> so we traveled back in time. I assume I put in some kind of uh, sound effect there for Ben's portion of the What Have You Been Playing segment. So greetings from the past. Can uh, we do the Wayne's World thing? The <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> so this has been a big week for you. Yeah, uh, as far as games, it seems like we both had a big week. Yeah. I had a big week in video games, and uh, and you've had a big week in life. Yeah, so. big week. Yeah. <laughs> so so, this is a big week. so yeah. Uh, well, you uh, were texting me yesterday saying that you had beaten Uncharted Three. Yes, I have. We're going to avoid spoiler chat on that. Okay. Um, so, that sounds fun. So so be cognizant of that. I, I was surprised that you beat it within twenty four hours. Yeah, it was it was about exactly twenty four hours. I uh, I started it on Sunday night, I think, uh, the day I got it, and I finished it on Monday. Uh, 
Perk and Mike came over and mm-hmm. they were watching me play it, so I wasn't going to stop. And <laughs> you're putting on a show, damn it! Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, but even before I sent you that text message, I sent you a text message last week. <laughs> Do you remember this message? Uh, was it something about uh, your? Gaming accomplishments, you finally got a tack nuke and you reached a 49 multiplier in um, in Batman. Go ahead and multiply that by two, Mr. Ross. A hundred times multiplier? I got a, yeah, I think it was a 98 multiplier, multiplier in uh, Arkham Asylum. But even more important than that, after two years of playing, I finally got a tactical nuke in Modern Warfare 2. Granted, most of the time I do not have the tactical nuke perk on, but... That was a uh, that was a very special occasion. So I was I was, I was pretty happy about that. And this isn't so, two, this isn't two years of on and off playing of Modern Warfare Two. This is like you're, you're a dedicated player of that game. Yeah, you know, I, I at least I at least play weekly, if not bi daily. So yeah, <laughs> bi daily. I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, so I was pretty happy about that. Yeah, Tacnuke, twenty five kills in a row without dying. That was fantastic. So. Awesome. So that, yeah, that was. Those were my two gaming accomplishments of last week, and then the big news of my of my life this week was uh, it was my birthday last week, mm-hmm. and so I consequently received Uncharted Three and Modern Warfare Three. Okay. So those are the that has been my life as of late. <laughs> um, as we already mentioned, I already beat Uncharted Three, and then I just started playing Modern Warfare Three today. Mm-hmm. So both of those have been pretty interesting um i listened to the podcast last week uh as far as uh dennis's comments on uncharted 3 mm-hmm. and my thoughts with the game line up pretty well with that and so I-, I agreed with a lot of the things that he said um overall it's not a game i don't think it's you know i don't think it's better than arkham city i don't think it's better than portal 2 as far as games that have came out this year um, there are definitely parts of it which are great, and there's parts of the game which are which rival I don't know experiences in any game you could ever play. Mm-hmm. But on the whole, like overall, it's I mean it's a it's a good game, but it's not a great game. It's almost like the expectation was lowered when they reached the th- when they reached the third one. If, if, really, if, it feels like I, I I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things where the, there's this expectation that. Once a series reaches its third installment, they have very clearly stated what's to be expected from it, and it's difficult for them to surprise you, I guess. That's the thing, and and that's kind of been the case, you know, like you you didn't hear an awful lot about like Resistance 3, although I understand that it was a very good game. Didn't hear much about Killzone 3. I know I'm speaking solely about Sony's games, but you know, they've they've been the ones who have reached the the the, the third marker. Gears of War 3, even to a certain extent. It's just it's, mm-hmm. there's there's something about that 3 at the end of it that, you know, really the only final thing well, really the only game that has wowed me when it's reached the third one is, you know, Final Fantasy. God of War. Okay, God of War. There we go. It's just it's just one of those things. So did you did you feel? I mean, am I talking on my ass? I mean, did did it surprise no, you at all? I think that's I think that's actually really common. Is by the time a, a game reaches its third installment, they've kind of ran out of tricks. You know, um, with this game, with Uncharted Three, it. 
I mean, it's the same formula. When you think about the storyline, the story is almost identical to mm-hmm. Uncharted 2 as far as how the plot moves. You know, it's like intro sneaking mission, climax in the middle with a lot of explosions and twists, and then uh, you find some giant city at the end, mm-hmm. and then you somehow destroy the city and leave. You know, like, it's it's almost like the exact same... Uh, structure as Uncharted 2, which is, which is kind of disappointing. And um, and and one thing I heard uh, Dennis say, which made a lot of sense, is how Naughty Dog would plan to write. They they write the story around the set pieces they want to do, and so they think, okay, what would be a cool set piece to do? Now we'll somehow fit a story. And if you if you think of it from that perspective, the the game storyline makes a lot more sense because there's a lot of almost like borderline goofy things that happen, but then it's it's just a means to get a kind of cool experience or a really cool experience in some cases. So, I mean, that's not inherently and in and of itself a bad thing. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think that that, that to, to me as somebody who, you know, I spent a little bit of time with it, but to, you know, as somebody who doesn't really have any skin in the game, that doesn't discourage me. It, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't feel just because that is that is so expected not only from uncharted but just from kind of the way that most video games tend to tell their story you know going back to the perennial example uh thinking of mass effect 2 yes there you know the, the, the mass effect 2 had a great story and a lot of that great story had to do with the setting and the world building that was done around it mm-hmm. but thinking about how episodic that entire game was you know, from thing to thing, it's it still was okay. The, here's this place that you're going to go. Here's this encounter or scenario that we have in mind. And yes, you're doing a lot more talking, you know, in 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 between all that. But it's still, you know, it, it's it's geared towards this set piece and inherent in the idea of a set piece is this is either a cool place or a cool thing that we want to have happen that you're going mm-hmm. to encounter. And I can't, I can't think of a lot of games that deviate from that unless you get into, you know, something that approaches, uh, you know, kind of a different, you know, paradigm, like, you know, Silent Hill, you know, something, something where it is a bit more subdued. If you're talking action games, that's what you're looking at. Set pieces and set pieces. So, you know, set pieces yeah. and set pieces on down the line. I guess, yeah, I guess a couple of the issues I had with Uncharted 3, um, one, one of the things that really bothered me is that in any of the set pieces that you're in, like they have the most loyal guards out of anyone I know because things could be going completely chaotic, but those guards still want to shoot you and they still <laughs> want to kill you. And so, like one uh, one example, um, well, actually, I guess I don't want to give anything away from the game, but just think of it as things could be going very wrong around you, uh, and your inclination is I need to leave this place as quickly as possible, but you still need to fight through a bunch of people in suits and glasses. So. And and that's one of those things that I really loved about um, Arkham Asylum and Arkham and Arkham City was it took into the fact that you know if you have this badass coming in here and fucking shit up, you know the 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 guards the peons they're you know the henchmen they're going to get demoralized right. Mm-hmm. I would just love it if after you know if you if you did really good and you know you get five headshots in a row maybe they reconsider and drop their guns and like run and hide right. Yeah, yeah. And there's yeah, there's none of that in the game, you know. And yeah, the other thing about this game is I was kind of spoiled coming off of Arkham City playing this game because you have things like that in Arkham City. Um 
also, like the idea of uh, the fighting system and the stealth mechanics in Arkham City mm-hmm. are far superior. And it seems like they want to deliver the same sort of experience in the combat that Arkham City does, where they want to make it kind of half stealth, half uh, gunfight, or you know, fighting in general. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like they'll put you in a situation where there's going to be a bunch of guards walking around. If you sneak up behind them, you can take them out silently. Um, but if one guard sees you, suddenly all the guards know exactly where you are and start yeah. throwing grenades exactly where you are. Yeah. And like, and that sort of thing is just frustrating. Um, and all, so it's like, it's almost like, yeah, I was spoiled by Arkham City because they totally nailed both those mechanics, mm-hmm. the predator mode and the combat mode. Um, whereas this game is kind of like a a smashing of the two. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the combat system, I know Dennis had t- spoke highly of it um, before. I was not too impressed by it. Um, it, it, I mean, it's, and again, I, the entire time I was comparing this to Arkham City in my head, yeah. but it's not a, a fluid system. It's not as refined as Arkham City is where you can just mash buttons and it's that's okay, you know? So I was kind of disappointed by the fighting system. And then also the idea that um, one one of my expectations is I heard that the story in this one was slightly darker and that uh, people question Drake's motives more, mm-hmm. like the idea of him going into an area, killing hundreds of people, and then getting a treasure, you know? And so I, I, I thought that was really interesting, and I thought that was a good direction for the game to take because it was more realistic, you know, like – you're not going to have people follow you and you know commit mass murders and then drink a beer afterwards. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but that that's entirely ignored in the story. Like there might be one or two cutscenes where they say that, and then that'll be followed by them going into an area, killing a hundred people, and then leaving. You know, so so I I was disappointed by that aspect of the story, and again comparing it to Arkham City, you know. The the whole idea is every time you uh, get into a combat, it's showing it's reflecting something about Batman because mm-hmm. it is he never uses guns, he never kills people, and that's shown every time. Uh, it's also much more satisfying in Arkham City when you you know punch the last person in the head or <laughs> or you know sneak around them or whatever. It's it's much more of a satisfying experience, I guess. Um, my my idea for kind of a feature, you know, maybe, maybe they could patch this in or something. You, you know, everybody jokes that, oh, Drake's is this, just this goofy dude who, you know, is, is, is blundering his way through. But I'm a good guy. I'm a, I'm a treasure hunter. And then he murders all these people. Let's take it a step further. Okay, let's have a counter on the screen that shows exactly how many children you orphaned. <laughs> because these guys have, they have families, you know? It's like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So I guess... With Uncharted 3, like, overall, um, if you like the first two games, especially if you like the second one, you're going to get uh, the same sort of experience. It's it's probably not as good as the first time as you play Uncharted 2. Um, it's still not bad, and I think I, I think I agree with Dennis. It's Uncharted 3 is much better. It's better than the first Uncharted, uh, just because the graphics are so much more superior, mm-hmm. and there's still you know a handful of just jaw dropping moments in Uncharted Three, which sort of make the game worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as as far as expectations go, 
don't expect this to be anything too different from the formula that they've used in the past. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect it to be the best game of the year. Um, um, would you say, you know, without going into story story spoilers, does this feel like a capper to a trilogy? Do you, do you think that they have more coming down the pipe, or is Naughty Dog going to move on? Um, I hope they move on. I hope they kind of do something else because. I think I think one of the reasons why I like the second game is I feel like that's where they just blew the roof off as far as creative ideas go. Like every minute, it was a com- like a com- a revolutionary idea, you know, and it was just like packed to the gills with that. Mm-hmm. Um, with this game, it's sort of like redoing all of that. So it's it's taking all these great ideas and then doing it again in a different context. Right. Um, so yeah, I hope they do a different game as far as. Uh, how much closure there was to this game, it just kind of ended. And, I mean, I guess there was closure to it, but it was one of those things where it was like, wrap it up in a cutscene in the last five minutes, and, you know, that's the game, you know? So, but then again, I mean, I don't really have a a vested interest in most of the characters in the game. (laughs) So, um, So it's kind of hard for me to, you know get emotional or, or feel any sort of nostalgia for these characters. For some reason, I am compelled to ask you, do you intend to get the Metal Gear Solid uh, HD remake collection? Uh, I haven't decided yet. It's 40 bucks. It has Metal Gear Solid 2, 3, and Peace Walker in it. But, yeah. And the, the the thing that makes me think about that is, like you say, I'm not invested in the characters and I'm not, you know, in the ending was just like, let's wrap this up in a cutscene, And all of that comes back to how phenomenal Metal Gear Solid 3 was in the way that it tied everything up. And uh, just you saying that made me think, gosh, that's like the best ending in a game ever. And I kind of want to play it. And I know that you're, you're a Metal Gear fan. So I yeah. just wanted to know. Um, I really wish they had the first Metal Gear Solid on that game, though. Yeah. Because that is a game I have not played all the way through in earnest. You know and, that you can download the PSN version, right? Yeah, I know. But you know that I don't really download downloadable content. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's and and like I know I don't have my credit card entered in the PSN account now, and so I <laughs> that's like one of the dissuading factors is I really don't want to enter any of my credit card information in the PlayStation Network. You can you can get a prepaid card. That's true. I suppose I could. Yeah. That's the loophole, I suppose. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, no, 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 no cards. No, no, no cards. No information. No paper trail, man. Just the paper chase. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that is something I'll consider. Um, yeah, with that series, that game is. Yeah, that is a, a phenomenal game. Uh, the third Metal Gear Solid. That's because it's two series that are kind of venerated for their cinematic, uh, let's say, prowess. And it's just it's it's interesting to compare and contrast the two because I think they have more in common uh, than we than we think. Uncharted and uh, Metal Gear. Yeah, yeah. I was there was a couple of times throughout the game of Uncharted where I was thinking of Metal Gear, you know, like with the idea of sneaking around. Mm-hmm. But and and one point uh, I even thought of the third Metal Gear game. You know the part where you're in the prison and how if you save the game there and exit. And if you reload the game, you start off in a nightmare sequence. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It was like a little Devil May Cry game. Yeah, and I so I thought about that, and I was like, you know, Naughty Dog would never have like the rocks to put this in their game, you know, like 
because I mean they have a lot of creative ideas and they have a lot of great ideas, but they're you know they're certain that you will see these ideas. You know, like they put them at the forefront. You know, it's like a yeah. it's like a it's an it's an action movie. You know, but that, I mean that I mean that's one of the reasons why I like Metal Gear so much is there's so much subtlety there, and it's it rewards people for paying attention to the game and it rewards people for exploring the game. You know, and I think I get so much more out of out of things like that in video games than I do the blockbuster experience type game. Yeah. So, well, speaking of blockbuster experience, can you give me your initial impressions of uh, Modern Warfare Three? Yeah, um, I think it'll be somewhere between Black Ops and Modern Warfare Two is my initial impression. Um, and basically, I can tell how much I'm going to like it by how much. I feel like the game is into glorifying violence <laughs> because because with Modern Warfare 2 I feel like there was you know there was violence there but it was kind of to serve the purpose of of showing these different stories with Black Ops it was like how can we kill people in really cool ways and show that and how can we fit more double bass into the soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> and so for those for those reasons and more, that's why I really didn't like Black Ops because I feel like the thought process behind the game was just I don't know really I don't know real really low level thinking like ooh this this gun makes explosion this go boom this is great you know like it was gross yeah and that's I mean that's what I appreciate about Modern Warfare Two is you know they actually try and tell a story there they. They're not using violence for violence sake. They, you know, like there's, you know, there's some thought put into their game, um, and so I think this is kind of like a bridge between the two. Where, you know, the missions are really fun. They're really cinematic. Uh, so far, yeah, so far the missions have been a lot of fun. But then you can kind of tell that it's almost just a, you know, th- we're kind of getting into the same conversation we had about mm-hmm. Uncharted, where it's almost like they're reusing tricks that they've done in previous games. And it's basically every so often when you're fighting and you hear like the music come in, like the da da da, and then like uh, a really high snare in the background, like that's that's when I st- when it starts to lose me at least. Yeah. But um, and I tried, so I played the campaign for maybe an hour or two, and I played the spec ops and leveled up once in that. And so that's been interesting, but it's it's something that I'll probably have to explore more fully. Okay. So initial impressions is eh, it's not bad. We'll see how it goes. Well, I'll be interested to see what you have to say about the multiplayer. You know, if you decide that this will be the one that you're going to live with going or you know live in going forward yeah. or not. Yeah. Um, or if I'll stick it out with M Dubs too. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's still a player base for MW two. So yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think here. Well, I figure it, it would be good for me to talk with you about Zelda just a little bit and give my impressions. I've, yeah, talked, yeah. I've probably played about the first uh, two, two and a half hours, I'd say. Okay. okay. I haven't gotten to the first dungeon yet, but uh, I love how expedient this game is about pushing you out into the world compared to uh, Twilight Princess. Okay. Yeah, um, Twilight Princess... How long would you say it was before you got to Hyrule Field? Oh, man, I'd say yeah. five, six hours. Yeah, you had to go through a dungeon first, and you had to do the the lantern chasing the monkey on the trees. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. I try not to, but I do. <laughs> no, Ouch. I'm sorry. I, I know I know that you love Twilight Princess, but this is a game that feels more akin to um, 
my favorite Zeldas, which would be uh, Majora's Mask. Um, it's not a, it's not as weird or as dark as Majora's Mask. It's not as okay. quirky as that. Um, but it feels it feels more like um, Link to the Past and Link's Awakening to me, okay. just a little bit in that it gets back to this uh, very simplistic. In a good way, in a good way, simplistic, simplistic and kind of cheery tone to it. Okay. And just, it feels a lot more majestic. It feels very grand. Like, you know, you start out and you're a kid on this giant floating island kingdom that is above the clouds. And, you know, the, the, the life on the surface is but a rumor and a legend of, you know, some calamity in the past. And Link is like a, a knight in training and you're flying around on these gigantic birds. And there's this story about how, oh, you have to do this race and et cetera, et cetera. But you're, you know, flying over <laughs> this gigantic cloud cover from island to island doing, you know, these these races using the Wii Motion Plus as, you know, kind of like a hang glider kind of thing almost where you're <laughs> directing. And, if, you know, honestly, it gives me like uh, think about Batman, how you speed up by diving and, you know, swooping up, yeah. and diving and swooping up it's exactly yeah. like that okay and it, and it feels just it feels perfect it really does feel good but you know just like it's just these grand you know kind of epic you know strokes that i didn't really feel you know that didn't grab me in twilight princess where you were you know a stable hand this is like uh -huh. i'm a knight in training and i'm jumping off of this gigantic island and whistling and this bird comes down and swoops you know swoops under me and it's just the you mm -hmm. know the, like that that distinction and just the idea that you know the the overworld what you are experiencing and what you're looking at it's not this common thing it's not like oh we know that over here that's where the Gerudo live and over here that's where the gorons live and down here that's where the zora live you know because you're coming at this from you know, this is all this big, vast, unexplored land, and you're finding these remnants of these ancient civilizations. It feels like um, more exploration. It feels it feels like you're covering mm -hmm. uncharted ground, and that's you're, a, yeah. You're discovering new things. Yeah. And, and 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 what's funny is you encounter people on the on the surface who talk about you know their legends and their rumors of these gigantic cities in the sky. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, the, a, du a double blind situation. Eh? <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's you know th th that's the story, and it really does move you along. You know, y yes, there is a lot of cutscene at the beginning. There's a lot of dialogue, but you know, it, it feels Nintendo like in that it serves a purpose and it sets a tone, and it's these kind of like broad strokes. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's the setting. Um, you know, I'm I'm not very far into what you would consider to be the gamey game portion of it. You know, I've got the my sword proper. Yeah, yeah, I've got my sword. I've got my shield. I've made my first trip to the surface, and I'm in the wooded area. So that gives you an idea of you know the you know the Zelda oh. progression of you know of woods to mountain Wood. to lake to desert then. <laughs> That with when, fire somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah, somewhere. Yeah, a couple of fire dungeons. You know, uh, a yeah. water dungeon that I know I'm going to hate. <laughs> Do you always hate the water dungeons? They're the worst. <laughs> Even in Twilight Princess, I, or especially in Twilight Princess, I would almost say especially. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, nothing is so bad as um, as Ocarina's uh, uh, water dungeon, but uh, you, you know. It's just in in general, I haven't I haven't liked those. So I'll be interested to see how they how they handle it. Maybe they'll throw me a they'll throw a curveball at me to make me appreciate it more. But mm -hmm. I've got to say, I, I like I, I was skeptical of the motion control aspect of it just a little bit. I know that it hinges on the motion plus. I got the collector's edition for my from from a birthday. 
um, oh, nice. here here a while back. So um, I didn't have the Motion Plus before. This comes with a Gold Wii Remote Plus. So you know I'm able to play. It looks neat. It's my new primary controller. Um, <laughs> so so I'm I'm into it. It's my first time using that. Uh, the controls have been, have been just a little bit difficult to get a, to get used to, but not for the reason that you would think. I've forgotten how Zelda controls or how Link controls. Um, yeah. it's, it's no, it's no different from the way it was before, but <laughs> can't just, find uh, the jump button. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, you know, compared to other third person action adventure games, it, it is different and remembering like, oh, okay, I don't have direct control over the camera. I have to always be centering it behind me with the Z button, you know, mm-hmm. re- re- basically reminding myself what parts of the control I'm responsible for. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been a little bit difficult, but the, uh, uh the sword play is neat and they throw it in in a way that makes uh you know the the various sword combat things that you do feel non-trivial it's not just lock on and you know wait for them to hit you and then hit back you'll have to look at the way you have to look at the enemy to determine what kind of slash will find purchase with them so like you fight the mm-hmm. like the the uh, the moblins you fight some moblins and they have these big swords that are wide enough to be shields and you know depending on how they're holding it before they swing it, you know, you have to find a way to swing it in a way that they won't be blocking it. So if they're holding it vertical, you come in horizontally. If they're, if they're holding it horizontally, you come in vertical. And if they're, you know, holding it out to the side, you do a thrust. So it's very granular and it's a lot to keep track of. But it's it, it feels good and it feels like it's something that they will be able to elaborate upon um, as you go forward into it. Okay, cool, cool. I have a question. Um, have they introduced Zelda or have they introduced a Ganondorf character yet? They have not introduced a Ganondorf character yet. Uh, Zelda is a childhood friend of yours, uh, from the sky kingdom area. Uh-huh. She is the daughter of like one of the higher ups in the council. So she's not really a, a princess, but, uh, it's, you know, it becomes very clear that your destinies are interlinked. And this actually does a good nice job. Pun. <laughs> this actually does. This game actually does a good job. <laughs> of um making it very clear that this is a story that keeps on happening over and over again just like uh, you know a, a a tale that is that that has been foretold and retold countless times um <laughs> you know the, the the timeline and the canon of of zelda you know it's a very finicky kind of you know apparently there is one and they just haven't revealed it yet and all of the games are as valid as the other and you know all of them existed in the same timeline and this mm-hmm. you know i think more than any other goes out of its way to kind of say that this is you know destiny and prophecy and things like that okay okay that's interesting mm-hmm. no ganondorf character yet i assume that's going to happen i mean you didn't even encounter ganondorf in ocarina until you made your first trip to the hyrule gates right um yeah after you do the three different dungeons or whatever i guess i guess right? yeah yeah i think i think that's about right that's the first time you see him mm-hmm and he shoots he shoots you. <laughs> yeah, he does, doesn't just, he? Just a little bit. Just a, yeah. just just a little shoot. So. Well, yeah, I mean one of the reasons why I ask is I one of the interesting th- choices I thought that they did in Twilight Princess was pretty much not show him at all until the very end, you know? Like you, you know, there are stories of him and you saw brief glimpses of him, but I thought that, you know, I thought that was an interesting I feel like they kind of change it up with each game, so it's kind of interesting to see what direction they head. Yeah. But so far, so good. Then, so far, so good. I like it a lot. Um, it's got teeth. It's got claws. Um, it's found traction. A- a- any other kind of metaphor I can put in. Um, it's just it's it's sad because 
the majority of people that I, you know, kind of have spoken with um, and the majority of people who I know who are really excited about this game, their biggest complaint is, well, I sold my Wii like two years ago. How am I going to play this awesome game? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's like, bum, I, bum, bum. <laughs> yeah. so I'm just, I'm just, I feel, I feel bad because, you, you know, Nintendo kind of messed up by alienating their their closest fans before this awesome game came out i'm a little bit worried that the people who are who would really enjoy it are uh are are not going to be able to get on board with it because you know they they haven't stuck around with the Wii. of course i feel good about my decision to keep mine but you know that's gloating yeah. i feel like so oh, that's all right <laughs> you can glue a little bit that's fine yeah. Wii's are cheap now they're like 150 bucks oh yeah yeah that is cheap still not gonna buy one because but... <laughs> i am cheap <laughs> yeah, well. but mm. uh if if that is all for this time travel segment um shall we bid adieu yeah we've we've ruined the space-time continuum enough oh time paradox uh <laughs> yeah so uh can you help me uh can you help me get back to the future sure okay <laughs> Oh, oh, oh man, my head! What's happening? Oh, wow! Oh wow! I've got. I've got I, no I don't think OSHA is cool with that. Well, you know, progress has to start somewhere, and why not here? You might want to check your stool for the next week. Um. So, 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 uh, those were our thoughts on uh, Uncharted Three, Modern Warfare Three. And uh, the Legend of Zelda. Now, you guys um, were not taken along on the trip for that, so I got uh, sent back to a dinosaur, and he chased me, and it was not fun. Yeah, yeah. We uh, just all, all you have to do is you know make that sound again, and he'll come back. That's fine. Uh, That's fine. Really? <laughs> so all you you guys have already heard what Ben thinks about uh, the the Uncharted Three and the Modern Warfare Three from the uh, from the pre production uh, meeting that we had the five hours of pre-pro that we do for every show. Um, oh, yeah. But I haven't shared my thoughts on, on, on Zelda. So I'll summarize for you and for the listeners, what I just, what I, what I just said. Um, it's really, really good. <laughs> um, <laughs> buy it. <laughs> buy this game. Well, you can't buy this game because most people have sold their Wii. Um, <laughs> which, I mean, I can't, I can't. Yeah, I mean, me. my mom always said not to sell my Wii, but <laughs> <laughs> But uh, why are those jokes still funny? It's not fair. It's like it's like five years down the line, and it's still funny. <laughs> uh, we're children. We're children playing with our wees. But no, stop it. it. Oh, okay, stop it. I'll, I'll stop. Stop it. Stop. No, it's uh, um, I'm happy that I held on to my Wii as a as a retro gaming system. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> okay. No, I'm I'm happy that I have retained my Wii as one of my possessions. Um, because this this justifies it to a certain extent. Of course, it always takes a Nintendo game to justify the you know the the, the you know <laughs> the system. Yeah, and you know whichever it is, Nintendo has to justify it. But uh, y- yeah, it, it, the the motion controls. I was skeptical at first, but they really really work. Sword play is actually interesting now, as opposed to what it was in Twilight Princess, which is you know instead of pressing A, you flicked your wrist a little bit and Link swung a sword you know, until the thing flashed red and fell over, um, <laughs> you know, and just, uh, this, the story in general, it's, it's all really, really good. It, it, it feels like Zelda. It feels tonally, um, you know, if it, it feels more in line with something, 
it feels more aligned with the series than what Twilight Princess felt like. And visually, it's astonishing as well. It's got this nice kind of painterly style to it that's not quite Wind Waker. You know, I know some people irrationally hate Wind Waker's, you know, art style. Uh, yo. Just, 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 yo. <laughs> But, <laughs> but uh this this does a nice job of splitting the difference. It's not as it's not as, you know, drab as Twilight Princess, but it's uh not as whatever made Wind Waker so offensive to some people for whatever reason. I, I think <laughs> I, I don't think you understand it's not it's not drab, it's next gen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well this is this is next next gen, you know, when we realize that we can use color. But <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I have a question for you yeah. that you may or may not have gotten to while I was being chased by a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Um, would you would you uh, label this the swan song for the Wii? Like, do you feel like this this game bl- brings uh, closure to the system? I really think it does. Um, just because there's not an awful lot coming down the pike, you know, this could be. Um, I'm trying to think of like what the what, what the comparable title would be. Um, you know, from Nintendo for, you know, like, uh, for, for one of their systems, this could be the Wii's, um, let's say, uh, Metroid, uh, Prime 2. There we go. Oh, there you go. I was going to say maybe the Wii's like, well, how late in the development cycle did Shadow of the Colossus come out? Uh, that came out in 2005. Uh, So, so they still had a year left on them tires, but there were definitely a lot of quirky games coming out. Um, and people will have their eyes cast towards the, the court, towards the next gen, um, at that point. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I think, I think that's a perfectly valid statement. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It just, it, it uses, it, you know, the, 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 the American Indians, they used every part of the Buffalo and, uh, this game uses every part of the Wii and like there's, there's stuff in there that's, that that's pulled from other games. Um, you know, quite obviously, um, like the other Zelda games, other Zelda. Well, yes, of, of, of course, but like other experiments that that uh, they have done. Um, so specifically, uh, like you can instead of you know just throwing a bomb or placing a bomb, if you make a bowling motion with with the Wii remote, um, you'll roll it, and certain enemies. That's the only way to kill them. And huh? you can actually do like an aftertouch on it. So if you twist it, you know it'll go left and go right. So obviously they took that from Wii Bowling, um, and uh, the, the your main means of traversing the, uh, the 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 world above the clouds is on the back of the gigantic bird, and a lot of that I think was taken from some of the flying mini games in Wii Sports Resort. So that you know, the, Nintendo has kind of always been at the forefront of how to use their own you know system for whatever you know reason probably very well, someone has to <laughs> exactly um and uh they've they've found a, a way that makes sense huh. you know now you mentioned the sword play being a little bit more engaging i mean um last time i played a wii i felt like i was kind of going all t-rex style with the <laughs> controllers um trying to play wii boxing mm-hmm. um is is it better now did you know did they get better well it has the motion plus in it so it's it's not just detecting you know kind of your gross movements it kind of really is good at looking at your fine movements if that makes any sense um and motion plus was a firmware update or something no no that it's it, it began as an attachment for the remote um back around the time that Wii sports resort came out um and uh after that they started building it into the the Wii Remote Plus thing. It's a it's a gyroscope that's inside of it that uh, theoretically does like a one to one relationship. So it it it, it, 
is a passive sensor, so it looks at how it's oriented um, compared to like just having an accelerometer that said it just moved left, it just moved right, it just moved up, it just moved down. Mm-hmm. This is like detecting exactly how it is in 3D space. And what's nice is, and if this is a worry that anybody has, you don't need to be standing up in order to play it. Nice. Oh, that's good. Which, I mean... I tried it both ways, um, just to just to see how it is. I like I, I like my recliner, I really do. Um, and you know, it, it's it's to the point where if you need to, you know, slice horizontally, you make that motion and it works. If you need to thrust forward, you thrust forward and it works. You don't need to, you know, be a gigantic tool and swinging it around you like it's an actual sword. It's just like it's almost like you're conducting him as opposed as opposed to, you know, I am Link. Look at me. So if you're like that scared, because when I stand up and play video games, I get the overwhelming urge to like do diving rolls and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so good. I mean, just uh, it's I, I've I've been on the ropes with uh, with Zelda games for 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 a while. Um, mm-hmm. Twilight Princess did a lot to take the wind out of my sails, and I have not liked what I've played of the DS ones. Um, but this really does feel like it's kind of you know riding the ship to a certain extent. So. Yeah, I've it's, never really after game. playing Dark Cloud, I've never really been able to play Zelda. Yeah. There there are a lot of, you know, it's 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 a time-honored strategy, but they haven't been willing to adapt it or update it. And this does feel like an adaptation and an update. Nice. Do you Yay, Nintendo getting with the program. <laughs> Only a little bit too late. It just if if they can bring this kind of creativity to the stuff that they do on the on the Wii U, hey, you know, just saying. It feels like they announced the Wii U before they really knew what it was and before, you know, and then they, like, they just don't seem to have their stuff together. It feels like they, they blew their load at E3 because they felt like they wanted to put it out there, and it just hasn't really done anything since. Am, well, I, am I wrong? Am I right? Isn't that kind of how we get Skyward Sword, where we're now, like, what, like, six years later, and we're like, someone finally figured it out. I mean, that's probably what causes that. <laughs> that's probably true. true. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Nintendo is in a lot of trouble right now, financially, mm. um, and I don't know if this will be enough. You know, it, it really won't be enough to pull them out. They, they you know, they, they, can't, they can't fool people into buying another Wii um, especially when they <laughs> fool them into buying the first one, you know people I feel like, like that's a, a, you say that, but I might be picking up a Wii this holiday season. Well, yeah, no, that that makes sense, you know, because you know you and your lovely wife, you play you know Super Mario, you know the new one, right? Yeah, yeah. The new Super Mario. Although I, I think we might be buying it used, so that's probably no boon to Nintendo. That is such a bad name for a game. By the way, new Super Mario Brothers, new newer Super Mario Brothers, newest Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> Yeah, they they really should have just called it Super Mario Brothers Wii. Um, but oh well, man, I really want to play the Super Mario 3D Land or Super Mario Land 3D oh, yeah. or whatever. That has been getting such hype. Um, people really, really have been talking that up as like the reason to own a 3DS. But the only problem is the 3DS as it currently stands um, is not a good thing to have. Um <laughs> From both the hardware and software and kind of industrial design standpoint, so I am I am ultra conflicted on that. Hardware, software, industrial design—it's got great chutzpah, though. <laughs> yeah, it's such a scrappy little thing. Moxie, yeah, Moxie. There we go, Moxie. Underused <laughs> word. I love it. I love Moxie. 
So I, a, I actually go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Yeah, well, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to interrupt musings on Moxie, but I actually oh. am very intrigued to hear more about the other game that you've been playing. Oh, Skyrim. Yeah, yes, that. I, I'm, just from everything I've been hearing about it, I'm surprised that you were able to pull yourself away from it to play a Zelda game or to do this podcast. Or, <laughs> are we sure it's not Scrim? You guys, you guys, I really think we should check this. A, a Scrim is a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a implement that is used in lighting uh, technology. So, uh, you know, feel like film lighting. It's a uh, something that goes in front of the light, but. Um, yeah, I'm surprised I am too. It's, it's a real embarrassment of riches, honestly. I, in celebration of the good news that I received today, I went out and I bought Dark Souls as well. Oh, nice. Um, so that, that's, that's something that I have in addition. And then Black Friday, um, you know, Assassin's Creed always goes on sale. So I'm going to be picking that up as well. Um, the, the, the new one, the revelations. So oh. I'm going to be set on new games, um, at least until Mass Effect 3 comes so out. So why are you not buying a PS3? <laughs> What what's that? I said why are you not buying a PS3? Because games are cheap and PS3s are expensive. <laughs> yeah, but not that. Now they the whole Black Friday thing has some they've got a bundle with Uncharted 3. Oh yeah. I don't really? Know. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Come play with me. I'll con- I'll convince you later in the episode. Okay. Um so yeah, even with all of that, you know, Skyrim does remain um something of a priority for me. Um it's not so much a game as it is a world that you inhabit. And you just take frequent trips into there. Honestly, you know, aside from you know the obvious choice of you know, like oh Fallout or oh Oblivion, you know, I haven't felt this way since I like played Animal Crossing on my uh, DS for a little bit. Ah, <laughs> it really does good feel like memories. I know, right? It's a it, it feels like a world that you go and and just inhabit for a little bit. Um, as far as my kind of more recent travails. Um, I have continued, uh, the main quest just a little bit. Um, I, I, you know, I think I've done the second mission in it, <laughs> the one that gives you, uh, more of your shouts, uh, which are pretty good because, you know, now instead of just having one attack and with the dual wielding, you have two attacks now. And then with the shouts, you have something on top of it. Like I got a shout that makes you run really fast. And they actually nice. work. They work that in, like, uh, to some of the dungeons, like the story dungeons. Like, there are doors that are only open for a certain amount of time, so you have to shout in order to run through those. See, when you talk about like using shouts and comments or in combat, I just kind of imagine some knight just being like, "Hey, hey, you orc, <laughs> you orc." <laughs> well, it's it's cool because because all of the all of the shouts are in the dragon language, and when you learn a word, like you see it like written on a shrine, and then you internalize it, then you power it with uh, um, dragon souls. Um, but when you when you say it, you actually like say it, and then the thing comes out. Whatever you do, whether it's ice breath or fire breath, or my my favorite, um, and this I admit that this is something that I stole from the joystick podcast. Griffin on there was talking about his favorite game to play as Bosch or, or, or Boosh, something like that. Um, Boosh is the uh, dragon word for unrelenting force, um, and what that is is you open up your mouth and then everything in front of you goes flying. <laughs> and, and you actually say Boosh. Like is this kind in, of like a Wizard of Earth see true naming type of thing? Kind of. <laughs> um, but if you know anything about um, Bethesda games, uh, you know that 
Um, the world is very densely populated with lots of little tiny things that you can pick up and manipulate. Oh yeah, like the stacks of paintbrushes. So yeah, so you so you walk into this, you know, into the into the yarl, the 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 mayor or the king, you know, like any of those, into their into their hall, and there's a gigantic um, banquet table set up, and then everybody's just kind of doing their thing, and you step up to the end of it, and you go boom, and everything goes flying. Nice. I've never seen that, and I, I I knew some people in college who would just get as high as fuck and watch that <laughs> that's basically the only way to watch it but boosh is a very prominently featured word in that yeah. series so it's uh yeah it, it's it's great i've continued the um the mages guild uh, a little bit that one has been good as well it really does feel well it's not it's not a guild it's a college it's like a place that's kind of sequestered away from the rest of skyrim which is generally distrustful of mages and it's like okay we're here to learn magic and we're here to not be held down by the laws of people who don't understand so there's a lot of like so it's just like college exactly right <laughs> um and like your, your first mission through them i did i did this before last week this isn't a spoiler because it's right at the beginning of the quest line um but your first your first mission through them and the thing that kind of sets all the motion off is they say oh well we found this this ancient nord ruin um a, a, you know a little a little ways away um it has a lot of you know magical artifacts inside of it let's go down there and take a field trip and you know just kind of identify some of the stuff that's down there so you're on this field trip and they're like saying oh no we we don't it's kind of like professor farnsworth we don't want you guys to get hurt like the last students did oh dear you know <laughs> <laughs> so it's cool it's got an it's got a neat little tone to it and i've also started the uh the, the assassins guild the uh, the dark brotherhood um and that is oh gosh they have taken uh, what was great about it in the first one or in oblivion rather and they have kind of like amped that up and they've really kind of like played up what was so entertaining about it um so far it's just a, it's just a delight so nice. those are my travails i mean do you have any specific questions it sounds like you just answered the one i was gonna ask but <laughs> i'm gonna ask it anyway is i was gonna say a lot of times these you know big worlds fallout three you know in oblivion and all that stuff you know there's a lot of seriousness that goes on but in these they always seem to have certain quest lines or areas or what have you that are just a little, intentionally a little bit lighter a little more tongue-in-cheek uh, and you can tell that they they were just kind of having having a little bit of fun and amusing themselves. Uh, so I wanted to ask if you would if you would run into any places where you got to see that kind of humor. It sounds like the that that quest was one of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, most mo- mo- most certainly, it, it does have a lot of character. It's not the um, kind of like over earnest um, George R. R. Martin type. Um, this is fantasy, damn it. <laughs> you know, it, it really does um, kind of take, take, you know, and and there are serious moments, but most of those are kind of sequestered in the main quest and the things that are off the beaten path. They're a little bit more quirky and a little bit more informed, not as like funny or as lighthearted as something you would find in Fallout, which mm-hmm. for as depressing as it is, is actually a really goofy series and game. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, there, there there's plenty of levity uh, to be found there. Um, one of the things that, you know, this game kind of makes it easy to do and your your enjoyment of it will be heightened uh, by following this advice is, you know, you will benefit a lot from learning to say no. Really? Like if, if you know, a lot of it, if you feel like you're going to miss out by not accepting that quest or not, you know, paying attention to that person and you just keep on collecting quests and you keep on 
you know, you're never going to run out of things to do. So if you kind of internalize that and think, well, I don't feel like helping that person or I don't feel like doing this or doing that, you know, you just kind of make a note about it in your head for later. And then you just roll into town and then you think about like what you want to do or you think, okay, I'm going to focus this and direct this and make it, you know, and just choose to do something that I find interesting. Right. Yeah. I ran into that problem all the time playing Fallout because I would take every single quest. Yeah. And, and then it's like you're completing quests that you didn't even know or you'd pick something up and it'd be like, you got the magical amulet you were looking for. And you're like, I, I was looking for one. Yeah. And uh, it, just, it loses all its meaning and there's no satisfaction. Yeah. And you also get the like the story gets really fragmented because there's so many different lines going on at once that you're kind of not getting the, the full enjoyment out of everything. Out of everything. So yes. a very, a very pretty not solution. Short enough quest givers that that was never a problem. <laughs> <laughs> One more way to get one more way to go about it, which is, is that an option? Like is, does it have that same sort of like you can kill anyone or is does elder scrolls, uh, kind of restrict who I you can knock off. Think that in oblivion and then much more so in fallout three, um, you were able to hurt them and knock them out and, you know, kind of knock them unconscious. But if, um, a quest giver or an NPC was marked as essential, um, then you could, you, you know, they'll, they'll never die. Um, I think that mm. changed in, in new Vegas where it is possible to kill like the main players in the game, you know, but like, you like, couldn't, um, in new Vegas, you couldn't straight up kill someone you needed but the way the storyline was written, like a lot of the important characters, depending on which faction you allied with, you'd end up killing. Right. <laughs> so you you could kill them, but you couldn't kill anyone you straight up needed to get to a ending. Yeah. Uh, you know, keeping it nice and vague as, as as far as that goes. Whereas in Morrowind, um, which is a game I admittedly haven't played an awful lot of, I think that was before Bethesda really found their stride. I know that there are people who really swear by Morrowind as the example of how to do. You know, I swore at Morrowind, <laughs> but you could you know literally kill everybody in the entire world. And if you weren't careful, you would kill somebody who was part of the main quest, and you know the main quest wouldn't be winnable anymore. So. If I remember correctly, if you did that, you got some message about how you've damned the world and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so I guess I guess it is you know somewhat redeemable. Um, you know, you're 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 not completely effed if that's the case. But um, yeah, you don't have to exercise as much caution in, in Skyrim um, about that anyway. So, I, I really can't I can't recommend it enough. I feel like any game where you start your description of what you did as, I found some time to go on the main quest, <laughs> is probably that's a good sign. I really don't like that meme, honestly. Like, oh, I didn't even do the main quest, or I didn't, you know, it's like I, I, I could I could mess around as as if like the ignorability of, you know, certain parts of the game were uh, were a factor. At this point, it wasn't even like a decision like, oh, screw the main quest. The main quest looks, you know, all nice and fine. In fact, it's actually really interesting because there are some distinct callbacks to Oblivion. So if you're familiar with that story, um, that's all that I'm going to say. <laughs> here's, here's a question I have for you then is I, I've never done Elder Scrolls, but after having played Fallout 3, I was really interested in, in, in getting it for a while uh, and 
would you recommend that I go play Oblivion and then come to Skyrim, or would you say just go straight to Skyrim? I am afraid that if I tell you to go right to Oblivion, um, you are going to not like Elder Scrolls. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just because Skyrim has taken so much positive from Fallout, and I've mentioned this before, it's taken so much positive from Fallout, and Bethesda has learned so much, and they Oblivion makes so many mistakes that were corrected later that I, I feel like it would alienate you. Now, if I were to make an appeal for this as like a really cool fantasy setting and fantasy world, you know, I would want you to play the best version of that. And I don't think you would be missing anything if you didn't play um, Oblivion before playing Skyrim. Um, I, I think that, you know, you would still get the same amount of enjoyment out of it. You know, the, uh, just like in fallout, uh, there, there are dialogue options to say, wait a minute, I don't, I don't know about that. Can you explain it? And the characters that you're talking about, the quest givers and everything will explain that to you. Whereas if you had played oblivion, okay. it would, you know, kind of just be self-evident, you know, because, okay. be, because you knew it from before. So I would say play Skyrim first. And if you really like it and you want to see where it came from, go play, um, oblivion. I felt like Oblivion, you know, very good story, very good world, um, you know, a big achievement of a game, but it just in a lot of ways wasn't a good game. Like a lot of the actual core gameplay, like the um, oh, horribly leveling up monsters just didn't work. Um, on that tip, I would recommend playing Oblivion on PC, although I haven't played it on pc everybody swears by you know being able to run mods that fix those problems um and you probably have a pc that can run it at this point um also pc multiple games yeah fish gotta swim birds gotta fly david gotta play pc games yeah there we go um (laughs) so, so um yeah, that's uh, that's that's what I've been playing. Let's uh, let's talk about you guys a little bit, Dennis. You were kind of champing at the bit to uh, to offer more thoughts on on the Uncharted Three. Let us uh, let us uh, regale us, Dennis. Yeah, sure. Well, and this is actually good. I'm I'm getting called away because I'm I'm whipped and all that stuff. But so I might have to jump off after this. But I can offer real quick perspective on multiplayer. Okay. Which is uh, I I went back and I started my crushing playthrough today. But I've I've been mostly focused on multiplayer after the, or over the past two weeks. Crushing difficulty. It's okay. the uh, highest difficulty level. It's only unlocked in the past games. It was only unlocked once you beat the game on the hard difficulty. Um, but in this version, it, it, it unlocks uh, when you beat the game. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, so not far enough to say anything uh, about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but multiplayer is actually really uh, enjoyable. So I, I think. I've I've learned how to play it. I, I complained last time we talked about it that I went in kind of wanting it to be Modern Warfare 3 and it was slower and it was different and I didn't like that. Um, but, you know, it, I, I think I'm through the learning curve now mm-hmm. and uh, and really enjoying playing multiplayer. Uh, one of the things that I really like is the uh, modes besides Team Deathmatch. Mm-hmm. So I've started to branch out um, and play Team Objective, which uh, is a ton of fun, and it's just like it sounds. You get random objectives and uh, compete for them, and the first team to win three objectives 
uh, wins the round. Okay. And it's everything from straight up team deathmatch can be an objective. So in a certain period of time, you need to race to this many kills to um, King of the Hill where you just, you know, you try to stay inside a, a territory and it's a complete uh, brawl, which is really intense. Um, yeah. And they've, they've got all sorts of different mo- modes. So, so, um, so, so that, that, that rotating objective thing, that kind of harkens back to uh, the co-op thing that, that, that we did. Yeah, where, yeah where that's was, what it sounds like. Yeah. Moving the goalposts. A lot like that. And I think it's great because one of the things I, I didn't like about Modern Warfare uh, 2 when I played online was it was always fun to go play these different objective games. But it, it always – I didn't feel like one of the objectives could support itself. Mm-hmm. So you know, I could go play Capture the Territory or I could go play you know Plant the Bomb. But it'd be like I'd get through two rounds of it, and I'd, I'd feel ready for something new. So team deathmatch was what I always did, simply because that was what was most able to hold my attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, team objective in Uncharted Three gets rid of that problem because you're constantly cycling through different objectives, and it really gives players who are maybe uh, a little more support focused. David, I know that's your pl- uh, play style. Um, really gives them a chance to shine. Uh, in, in fact, the first team objective game that I played, I was the top player. My team won, and I was the top player on the team by a wide margin. Um, partly through luck, but also just because I was like, oh, I get this. It's not just killing people. I can I can be strategic. Uh, so it sounds like level, it's kind of a Calvin Ball approach to shooting. Exactly. Yes, yes. And it's <laughs> constantly... And you know, I found myself getting to the point where, ah, there's 15 seconds left on this objective, and I know we're going to lose it, so I'm going to run away from the action to get myself ready for whatever the next objective might be, and you know that level of of thinking into it. So really, really enjoying that. Um, I'm up to level 28 now, and um, that's I think about halfway through the leveling structure, or something like that. And uh, the leveling system is good in that you're fairly consistently getting new stuff to play around with. It's just not quite as rewarding as Modern Warfare um, in that it does not have that level of personalization. So you're unlocking new stuff, but it doesn't really feel like you have any sort of control over what you unlock. Whereas with Modern Warfare, you know, you chose, you, you unlock stuff on the weapon you were using and stuff like that. Does the game so make any effort to kind of like keep you in games with people who are of a similar player level to you? Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's a matchmaking system behind the scenes, but I, I don't have any window, window into it. I've never felt like I was straight up out of my league okay. uh, for certain. So that's that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, why but, does, why, okay, I have a pistol, and why does that guy have an Uzi that can shoot through walls and administer oral sex? I don't understand. Budget cuts. <laughs> So don't confuse those two things no, because no, it'll no. be very painful. <laughs> no, I, original before I got the M9, I felt like that, and you, you know, I complained about that last week, so I won't bitch about it more. Uh, before I got yes, the M9, I M9. did feel like that. Now that I've now that I've got my uh, my OK gun, it's uh, it's it's all better now. So I, I haven't felt blatantly outmatched. The one thing that I will was say actually. Is, um, oh, go ahead. That's just um, that that was actually something I. Uh, Wanted to ask you about, you know, looking back at when I, um, you know, played at some of your place, one of the things that struck me is that comparing it to Modern Warfare, most of the weapons didn't really seem like they were, like, going for the approach of 
oh, these are the, you know, 15 assault rifles that are the most advanced whatever. It seemed like the weapons were more caricatures of the different types of first-person shooter weapons. So you have your, you know, your heavy pistol, your tactical assault rifle, your Russian assault rifle, you know, just kind of genericized. Yeah, I, that's definitely true. And so I think you'll hear me comparing it to Modern Warfare uh, in terms of the, like, leveling structure and experience and how the game keeps you coming back for more because I think that's a standard that's fair to compare across but I, I really do believe now that this is a action game with strong shooting components rather than a shooting game with strong action components sort of uh, like how Assassin's Creed was almost you know, like a spy versus spy game that happened to have um, action components Yeah. yeah exactly so that that's uh I mean overall really enjoying multiplayer. The the one other thing uh, that I've liked is um you can take missions. And I think this is a la Black Ops where you sign up to be able to get, you know, get X number of kills with this weapon in 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh you invest $3,000 up front and the payoff is $9,000 if you accomplish it or you lose your money. So those have been rewarding. That's gotten me to go back and play with weapons that I otherwise wouldn't have used. That's nice. Um, and you can, the interesting thing is you can only do the missions once, and then you get a check mark next to it, and you're done with it. Mm-hmm. So you can't just like camp out on one mission that you're really good at. It, it really does force you to experiment. So you know, I ran around using exclusively the pistol for a couple games, which was really uh, interesting. Yeah. And... Uh, I actually picked up a legitimate t- tactic because uh, while you know your your secondary weapon is generally not very good, you can use it while hanging from objects. And so, if you hang from an object as cover and shoot over it, I found people generally don't know how to handle that. That gives that gives them a very small profile to shoot at. It's basically a headshot or nothing for them. Whereas you when can just out, pluck away. Exactly. And so, you know, I never would have learned that had I not been going through these missions. So that was kind of cool. Well, that Um, almost brings in some of the tactics of single player, because I remember at least in Assassin's Creed 1, that was a huge strategy. Hanging from ledges? Yeah. You mean Uncharted 1? Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's also Assassin's Creed Yeah, it's it's apropos, but... But no, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Uncharted 1, yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it, and it is kind of cool to see how close the two feel to each other. The The single player and the multiplayer don't feel like different games. They feel very unified. Mm-hmm. Um, I dabbled in three-team deathmatch, which is three teams of two versus each other, and just didn't enjoy it because I, didn't, I wasn't playing with someone I knew. I imagine I could, you know, get a lot more out of it if I was playing with a partner. So I'm excited to maybe link up with Ben and see how that works. Partner and some beer would probably make that a lot of fun. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. So that's uh that's though my continued experience with Uncharted Three. Um, still, I'm glad to hear I'm not crazy on the whole being disappointed with the single player. Um, but uh, I'm I'm hopeful and I'll I'll keep on coming back to the multiplayer. Neat. Well, I understand yep. if you need to go. I don't have any other questions for you. Yeah, well, yeah, and I, I apologize again. Uh, thank you guys for uh, all the insight. Money Smith, I'll have to catch up with you on, on your game separately. Sure, definitely. See you around, man. See ya. Keep it real, boys. And he's gone.
And then there were two. <laughs> okay, so uh, tell me a little bit about one of the games that you're playing. Well, um, been playing um, Modern Warfare, or not Modern Warfare Three, but Battlefield Three. Um, I've got to say, um, unfortunately, my overall feeling on it after playing it for I think a fair amount of time is I actually kind of regret buying it um, over um, Modern Warfare Three. Um, I think probably some of it is when I last played Battlefield 3, um, you know, I didn't have a job, um, or, and, you know, that was like my freshman year of college, so, um, you know, I had a lot more time to just devote to getting good at, where I feel like now probably I like more games I can just kind of drop into. Yeah. But the other thing is, I don't know, I, I sort of feel like they took some of the worst um, parts of um, Bad Company and um, oh, and Battlefield 2, whereas on the one hand, you know, like Battlefield 2, it's not just a you know, Modern Warfare-esque like, game I can just jump into and run around and kill things and have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, um, like um, Bad Company, I don't know, I just don't feel like I'm seeing nearly as much of the large-scale tactics. Um, you know, I virtually never see people do, like, helicopter drops of troops or, you know, load everyone up in the APC and try to um, run a point or, you know, anything like that. It more seems like... I guess a okay infantry shooter mm-hmm. where every so often you get screwed over by someone in in a tank. Do, do you do you feel like the, the these problems would be ameliorated if you had like a clan or kind of a if you found a dedicated server with a community that was conducive to the way that you wanted to play? I feel like that would definitely be part of it. And, you know, I should say when I played Battlefield 2, not 2142, but Battlefield 2, um, I was in a clan. I would say, actually, I think probably the most of it is I think the maps are bad. Okay. Um, I, I mentioned this before, but they're all either infantry maps or vehicle maps. Whereas but, Battlefield 2 had a lot of maps where both were very um, successful. Right. So, um, you know, when you're playing a vehicle map, um, being an infantry person sucks. Mm-hmm. And when you're playing an infantry map, um, the game's just not playing to its strengths. Right. So I'm, I'm hoping um, maybe with the downloadable content where they're adding some of the... Um, Battlefield 2 um, maps, oh, maybe that'll help stuff. some. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, I'm sorry to hear that you're disappointed with that. Um, how about how about WoW? Um, WoW, you know, is interesting. Obviously, a lot of it's just, you know, continuing to be World of Warcraft. Um, I They actually just did their um, start up their um, Thanksgiving festivities. Oh, which yeah, is kind of interesting. Um, for some reason, they made it so that y- there's certain um, Thanksgiving um, cooking um, recipes that you can learn that basically allow you to, within like 
say an hour, two hours with, you know, a um say ten, twenty gold, um, completely max out cooking. So I've been, I did that, and then, um, you know, there's a whole bunch of achievements related to it. Like the one I'm currently working on, um, outside of each capital city is this big, like, um, feast table, and you sit down, and there, I already got an achievement for doing, um, I play alliance, so eating in front of each of the alliance cities. <laughs> so now I'm working on a city, on an achievement to go eat in front of each of the horde cities. <laughs> Wait a minute. So, um, you know, that's kind of fun, just, like, running up and, like, sitting down at the table and, you know, how are you guys doing? <laughs> well, uh, that's, a, that's, or are you, you're back? <laughs> I'm a filthy, I'm a, I'm a filthy, filthy liar, and you should never trust a word I say. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought Jen was telling me she needed my help, um, oh. and then I, I, like, oh, crap, I gotta duck out, and then I went over and she had done it herself already, so she was trying to tell me she didn't need it, you know the whole mouthing things trying oh, not to yeah. interrupt the call okay. is is confusing so well, anyway i'm back <laughs> welcome back <laughs> i hope you didn't hear those awful things we said about you um well I, you know I'll, I'll catch it when you publish the episode okay um no that's cool i like i like their uh, their holiday stuff does that worked into their achievement system they kind of have a tiered achievement system so basically um for each holiday there's a you know say 10-ish achievements and usually if you get all of them or all of them but like one or two you get an achievement for that holiday mm -hmm. that generally gives you a um title okay and then if you get all of the holiday achievements you get some sort of um which you know obviously takes a year you get some sort of special reward that i honestly forget what it is. I remember it being fairly cool, you know, like a special mount or something. Yeah. But, you know, on the whole, it's kind of just fun to have a excuse to just screw around. And, and not just grind in a dungeon forever. Right. Like, like one of the achievements is by completing a daily quest, you, you can repeat each day. Wow, that was amazing English. <laughs> um, you can get an item that basically... Um, turns a player into a turkey but, for like an hour it's it's just visual but you know yeah. turns them into a turkey and um one of the achievements is to turn a, a rogue of every race into a turkey but. so uh, so as you can imagine it's like the rogues are running scared being turned into turkeys <laughs> left and right and <laughs> like probably one of the best achievements actually on this one is um Owen Forest, um, there's one for the Horde, too. Um, there's a whole bunch of um, turkeys um, that are like level one mobs. You can one-hit them after you're a decent level mm -hmm. running around. Um, and there's an achievement to kill 40 of them with not allowing th more than 30 seconds to elapse between any single kill. Okay. So you're just like running across the um you know the zone from one end to the other, just blasting turkeys as you see them. I mean, it's just good fun. Yeah, just uh, so any kind of incentive to get back into it and touch it. You know, every day. I assume that there are a bunch of these holidays. You know, probably one for Flag yeah, Day, um, something for Easter. The most recent Harbor ones day, have been um, Earth Day, Boxing Day. I know day, there was one for um, Remembrance Day. Wow. 
<laughs> I'm thinking of like Forrest Gump now. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Money, are are you um fairly regularly playing in a group? Are you soloing most of this or how have you how have you thought about it? Um basically um I play in a um guild with my martial arts instructor and um a couple of his friends. And so um that's actually one of the big reasons why I play is just to keep in touch with them. On this character right now, I'm primarily playing on my own. However, um, they've added the ability where um, regardless of what server you're on, you can um, join raids with anyone. Um, oh, so nice. I'll often raid with them on one of my higher level characters on a different server while I'm leveling up a character on their server. Mm-hmm. And that is that that is so important. It really. Oh is. yeah, it's um, City of Heroes did that did stuff like that years ago. I never understood why other groups didn't. Just not to fragment your base. I mean, I understand. You know, at at a certain point, like back in the EverQuest days, like your servers were literal servers that right. were machines right. that were placed somewhere physically in the in in, in the world, whereas. Just the, the the networking technology has gotten so much better at this point. This is me talking about networking, something I know, I know nothing about. But <laughs> uh, you know, your character uh, that doesn't exist just on that machine. That's something that's propagated throughout. So to connect you to that one different place or to find some place in the middle for your actions to be hosted and sent back and forth to, and then all the changes to be kicked back up to you know where you're character is centrally stored you know the things that are your character that just kind of makes sense and it's really heartening to hear that they are you know putting the player experience hey i want to play with my friends before you know kind of technical inertia and it's also it's been interesting for me because you know the only other um oh guilds i've been in has been like league of honor and its iterations which were non-characteristically well-organized and yeah. run on the whole. For, for, for those of you who don't know, League of Honor, it was a um, guild on the original EverQuest on the Furio Navai server, which was the role-playing server. It was one that I joined, and I think I referred you to it. Um, yes, but, yes. Uh, yeah, it, I, I doubt anybody from there is listening. I really wish i could reconnect with some of you but it was good times and yes they were very well organized i just want to give a little give a a little bit of context for that right right so but now i'm on a guild that's much more like the small guild you know like stereotype what you see and like what's that webisode type thing the guild yes (laughs) i mean much much more like the small guild where like the various um players you know we may or may not have any clue what we're doing during a raid. You really have to feel bad for Felicia Day. Uh, she has to go to those conventions, and just people there are awful to her, I bet. Just creeping, <laughs> just creeping on her. You know? Oh. But, but yeah, it's, it's a very interesting experience. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun being in a group where, like, you know, probably... Um, I want this item because it's shiny would be considered a completely legitimate <laughs> argument. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no, no it, I, I like how laid back it is. Yeah, and that's good. You don't want to, you know, be on a guild that's like a part-time job. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, did you have any other thoughts on WoW, or should we button this up? Um. No. I mean, 
I I guess my overall feeling from coming back to it is, um, you know, when World of Warcraft first came out, um, I I always enjoyed it, but it always struck to me as like they didn't do anything um, innovative or whatever. It was just you know they really polished what other people had worked to do, and I feel like. With the changes, with the most recent expansion, I really feel like they took this step to now having a product that, you know, is completely theirs, is, you know, well-made, is, you know, everything hangs together. Very cool. Yeah, they they, they have definitely refined it um, tremendously. So that really didn't add much to the conversation. But I feel like I should be playing this. No, don't. That was episode number 136 of Stand Under the Don't Tree and Riddle Me This, a podcast about video games. We have a new step to add to our homework uh, for this week. What you should do is, uh, if you're going to be doing any holiday shopping for Christmas or whatever uh, festivities you uh, choose to go after, and you're going to be doing any of that on Amazon, you know, don't just go to Amazon.com and buy something. Go to duckfeed.tv slash Amazon and follow that link. Now, what that does is it sends you to Amazon and it puts you in as a referral from our site. And anything that you buy, guess what? A certain percentage of that, a very small percentage, but non-trivial, goes to supporting the shows. You know, helping pay for that shiny new website that we have and helping pay for the hosting as we get bigger. So if you're going to be doing anything, duckfeed.tv slash Amazon does not cost you a single extra cent. I should note that I stole this idea from the geniuses over at uh, The Complete Guide to Everything, which is a fantastic podcast that everybody should be listening to. That's a good idea. So do that. In addition, Mm -hmm. uh, what you should also do is go to iTunes and leave us a rating or review. That really does help us out. Um, you can also uh, check out the website and look at all of our other shows there. We have uh, we have plenty of good stuff to listen to. And uh, you can contact us at duckfeed.tv slash contact. There's a nice little form. If you have uh, a topic that you would like us to talk about or something you would like to know about our uh, taste in games, all of that can be there, uh, can be found there. So it's, uh, it's your one-stop resource for um, podcasts and also shopping now. So can you guys think of anything else? Don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. Don't stop listening and keep telling your mm-hmm. friends. Stay epic. Yes. And check out check out all the shows from duckfeed.tv. There's a there's a lot of good stuff on there. Yeah, yeah. We're okay. We're doing all right. So <laughs> um for DTR, this has been Cole Ross. Uh you heard Ben Merkel on here a little bit a little bit earlier. Roll call, guys. Uh, Dennis nice. Furia. Oh boy. Oh boy. We did it again. Try it again. Yep, one more time. Dennis Furia. David Mice with. And uh, just buy something and, and, and say we sent you.